Hey everyone, I'm Sho, and this is The Count Off. everybody. Welcome back to season four of The Count Off. I'm going to be your host show. In every episode, we're going to sit down and try and find the intersection between music and something interesting. At least we hope. Um, This episode, we've got Tom Bergen from Headcount. Now, Headcount is an organization we've had on The Count Off in the past. Um, A few times, actually, we've talked to Rachel Griffin Jackson. We've talked to Kellen Edmondson many times. And so now this episode, Tom Bergen, a brand new guest, new position, um, interesting conversation, I hope. And so um, they've been all about voter registration and participation. And I just figured it was a great way to kick off this season. Uh, We usually start with headcount as our kind of guiding light conversation. But as we'll talk in the news later on in the show, you'll see that this conversation with headcount is just the beginning. Um, and so uh, the count off, as you know, uh, was once on WCUG. Now it's part of Meta Modern. Um, it's still going to air on WCUG Cougar Radio, but uh, we are purely a digital product now. And um, I think it's really awesome. I love being able to make content with my friends and being able to make content for y'all in a way that's a little bit more... Hmm, I don't want to say free, but um, I have more latitudes than I had before. Um, So, of course, every episode throughout the season, we're going to be sitting down having important conversations about music and something interesting, whether this episode, that's headcount and how they use music and voter registration and kind of mix that together in interesting ways, or like we've done in the past and take historical looks at how music impacts, you know, humanity in a way. Now, this particular season, I'm really having a focus on civic action. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. As I already said in the news, um, you know, new show, new season. Some things will change. Some things will be a little bit different, but we're going to try and keep it the count off that you all love and remember. And just to kick off the season, I'm going to play a song from one of my great buddies, every single one of them at the Normas. Um, I've had a great opportunity to work with them creatively, and it's been absolutely fulfilling to be able to do that. Um, we're going to be playing their song Loose Lips, which is just off of their newest album. Uh, it is the closing track, so I guess we kind of end at the beginning. And I absolutely love the song. I think there's this rawness to it that uh, it's just absolutely incredible. So coming up, we got Loose Lips by the Normas, and we'll be back with more of The Count Off.
All right, it's time to get in the news. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Count Off. You just heard the song Loose Lips by the Normas. Good buddies of mine, great musicians, great show. If you ever have a chance to go out and see live show. I mean, it's kind of crazy to have uh, an episode of The Count Off where we're actually able to talk about live music. Because when the show first started, it was in the middle of COVID. And so uh, all the things that we were trying to provide was information on how to keep the music scene alive. I mean, uh, in season one of the count off, we were talking about streaming shows. I remember I watched a Jeff Rodenstock live stream via Instagram, AJJ, um, too many zoos, so many, you know, musicians that we've seen through our phones. That was season one. You know, we were just getting our roots. We were just trying to figure out what we were, uh, just interested in music and trying to share information about that love of music. And then uh, season two came around, we became a digital product. And uh, we really focused on this podcasting, this kind of more interview-based work. And uh, we really did some amazing work. Uh, Madalena Casalana, the 16th century riot girl, um, and our award-winning episode, Little Pat Pat on the back if you heard that there. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just a really great opportunity that we've had at the count off to explore and to change and do so many things. And so you may be wondering, show, you, well, let me say it this way. You may be wondering, show, <laughs> this is season four. You just talked about two seasons. You're, com- you're missing like a whole season. Well, uh, you know, in college, uh, we don't have the opportunity to do 52 weeks of show. Uh, Instead, we did like, I don't know, like 10 to 12 episodes, as many as we could. And so uh, season one, season two, that was kind of a semesterly, semesterly show. Season three was um, our kind of special election day broadcast. So that's something that uh, we kind of developed in between season one and season two, Um, I guess, just kind of election cycles and everything. In season three uh, here in Georgia, we had a runoff election. And so we specifically focused uh, a whole day just on that runoff election. We did kind of a impromptu election day broadcast via runoff edition. So that was our season three. It was kind of 16 hours of live produced radio with a lot of people from the community. And it was absolutely fantastic. So that brings us here. Season four. So what's what's going on, right? You may be wondering, at least I said out loud, so now everyone's wondering because that's how it kind of works. So season four, I really want to get into this idea of civic action. Now in the past, we've talked about voting in season two and season three. We talked about how voting was important to get the vote out to be registered, and I still believe that very strongly. And if you aren't registered, you should be registered because um, those of us in Georgia it's coming up. It's coming up, if not past, if you're kind of listening to this weeks after it comes out. But voting is one part of being civically engaged, right? I mean, voting is just, you know, that one aspect. Um, we volunteer. We pick up litter on the ground. I don't know. We help out those in our community that we deem need help. And so there are so many ways that we can actually be civically engaged and still have voting be a part of that, right? I think uh, in 2020, a lot of our takeaways was like, this is the most important election that we'll ever have. And so everyone had to vote. And now it's 2024. And they're trying to use the same rhetoric, like, oh, this is an important election. It's like, like Syndrome said in The Incredibles, if everyone's super, 
No one is super. So if every election is important, no election is important. So I don't know. I'm trying to tackle this idea of we can't just have voting be the thing that we reach for as, oh, I'm civically engaged. Oh, I vote. Right. That's not enough. I don't think. Not not that like if you only vote and you don't have time for anything else, cool, whatever, you know, but the idea that voting is the end of it all is not true right? Like we should do better. We should support our local food banks. We should support our local economies. You know, we should do everything that we can to volunteer any excess time that we have to build our communities up rather than to break them down. Not implying that doing the other is the case, but in season four, I really want to explore that, tackle that, think about it, right? What does it mean to be civically engaged and how can we bring voting kind of as a part of that? So instead of every election being the most important election, maybe we're just used to voting and we know when it's time to vote or how to vote or how to make sure you're prepared to vote because we are civically engaged. And that means more than just, oh, I vote or, oh, I just volunteer, but maybe touching on a little bit of everything. So that's kind of my thoughts for season four. I'm not entirely sure how that will go. Um, obviously, this first interview is really kind of kicking off what I'm kind of thinking is like a learning journey. You know, I'm going to try and have conversations with people that will help me better understand the idea of civic engagement. And if anyone listening here has a good idea, please reach out to us at MetaModern and uh, let us know, you know, kind of other ways. And I'd love to talk on the show um, because, again, in the past, we've really pushed voting and in the past till now, I've learned that it's more than that. And so I want this show to try and be a little more than that. Hmm. Interesting, right? I don't know. So uh, season four, I'm super excited. We're going to be having conversations uh, about, I guess right now, we're really going to be tied up in this civic engagement conversation. Um, This interview that's coming up with Tom Bergen will kind of be a real kickoff about that. We're going to talk about voting, you know, very broadly. And I try and break it apart, pick at it a little bit. And Tom brings me along and saves the interview in so many ways. (laughs) Um, So again, thank you all so much for listening to the first episode of The Count Off. I know we usually do news here. So uh, here in the news, you would usually have, you know, music news, any kind of political news, any kind of uh, cultural news that we think might be important for you to understand or to hear about or to know. But uh, since the first episode and since we haven't really had a podcast in like a year or more, I figured it'd be good to kind of catch everyone up and let everyone know why we're suddenly on season four when all of the media dictates we shouldn't. But anyways, um, we're going to go to another song real fast, and we'll be back with our conversation with Tom Bergen. We've got a musician that I absolutely love, Nick Bentley. Uh, another buddy of mine, um, great thinker, uh, will probably be on the count off. By probably, I mean more than likely as long as he's available. But um, got an absolutely fantastic song, Rabbit Hole. Um, he's always said, you know, the original version is electric, and everyone hears him play it acoustic, and they say that they love it. It's pretty good. You got to admit. Rabbit Hole, Nick Bentley. Well, he pulled out his lighter and fired up a smoke. 
He said, hey Jim, do you want to hear a joke? I'm so far down the rabbit hole I don't know which way is up I don't know which way is up Cause it's life, it's love, it's money, it's drugs Not knowing who you are when you wake up It's the bar, it's my car, it's the morning alarm It's everything It's nothing it's beautiful down the rabbit hole. Well, I knew a girl who used to smile. She ain't had a reason for why. Some money, some gas But her days of living have passed Cause it's life, it's love, it's money, it's drugs Not knowing who you're when you wake up It's the fun It's everything It's nothing It's beautiful Down the rabbit hole It's nothing But it's beautiful Down the rabbit Hey everybody, welcome back to The Count Off. I'm your host, Show, and you are now entering the part of the show that I like to call The Conversation. Now this part of the show, 
we just throw to an interview that I did in the past, so my voice will sound very, uh, what's the word, froggy, because uh, I had to reschedule it. You know, first time technology issues, and second time it was early in the morning, so I sounded like this pretty much the whole interview. Um, so bear with it, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, this is going to be our interview with Tom Bergen in two parts, all about voting especially in 2024. So again, I've kind of teed up how in the past we talked about how it was an important election and how this one is also important. And a lot of people feel some kind of way about that. So Tom and I get into that conversation and try and figure out what's going on. And I try and learn how best to, you know, interact with people, especially, you know, throughout this project on how to get people to understand the importance of civic engagement or maybe to be better involved. So anyways, this is Tom Bergen from Headcount. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to The Count Off. Now, this is the portion of the show where we interview someone much more important than me, much smarter than me, and much more passionate than I am in everything that they do. Today in the studio, we have Tom Bergen, the Senior Voter Engagement Manager from Headcount, an organization The Count Off has talked to in the past. I'm super excited to have Headcount back in the studio at The Count Off. Thank you, Tom, for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you, show. And that introduction was so kind. I mean, I... I hope that I'm able to live up to the adjectives that you put towards my name. <laughs> I mean, um, even just from the brief exchange we had through email, I was like, this is the right interview. You know, this is the, I'm Perfect. so happy to be able to sit down and talk to you. Um, all the conversations I've had with Headcount in the past have been really, you know, evocative, really eye-opening, and it has really like kind of set me on a trajectory for how the rest of my season usually goes. Um, yes. So as a executive or a senior member of Headcount, there's so much going on in this election cycle in 2024. It, you know, obviously elections kind of wax and wane in popularity and everything like that. And so this one has its own, you know, set of tasks that we as people interested in vote voting engagement are, you know, really focused on. So uh, what is Headcount seeing, you know, on the ground when you are talking to people? What are you hearing and uh, what 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 are you going to do with that information? Yeah. So I think that you put it perfectly, elections wax and wane, and it really feels like this year is going to be one of those election cycles that's dominated by the waning feeling. And I think that we've definitely seen that. I think that a lot of voters across the spectrum, but particularly young voters, are really frustrated with the choices that they've been given for president. You know, it's the same folks that they voted for in 2020. And it's kind of that feeling of in 2020, the narrative was this is the most important election of our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, you can't use that language every single time there's a presidential election. <laughs> so and, and so I think that we are seeing that there's kind of a fatigue around the presidential narrative. And especially because the presidential primaries and the presidential election are what take up the majority of airtime in coverage around politics and this year's elections. And so I think what we at Headcount are planning on doing is really leaning into everything else that is on the ballot because every single person has a representative in Congress up for election. Over a third of the country has a senator up for election. Almost every state by the time November rolls around is going to have ballot initiatives that have to do with everything from abortion to taxes to education and all of those things 
are things that people haven't been hearing about, but are important to voters. And mm. so we at Headcount really want to empower voters to realize it's okay if you feel disenfranchised with the president, because there's a billion factors that lead to that feeling of frustration and anger towards what has kind of played out in the presidential election. But we want to put that massive butt in and say there's also so much more. And if you're someone who cares about your community, if you're someone who has issues or things that you know, you're just passionate about, there's going to be something on your ballot that relates to that, whether it's a candidate or a ballot initiative or even like local offices. And so I think that's the narrative that we're really going to be leaning into this year because, you know, when we're out in the field, a lot of the times you get people who say, ah, I don't, I'm not voting this year. And if you're given the opportunity to ask a follow-up question and say, what do you mean by that? Or why is that? That's when we're able to really have that impact of, engaging with them, helping them realize that there's so much more than just the president on the ballot. Hmm. It seems as if that post 2020 going into 2024, as you said, you know, um, on a national presidential level, we have the same choices as we did four years ago. And it's almost like everyone's having this gut reaction to, to that again. And everyone's like, you know what, like, forget this election. I'm not interested. And I, I think that's such an strong sentiment that I've seen and, and a large part of why I think this project and what y'all do is so important. Um, a few things that you talked about, you talked about engagement and how it's kind of dropped off or it, there's less interest in the national politics. And I think that's what's really interesting about politics. I felt like in 2020, everyone got on board with voting. Everyone's like, all right, fine, I'll vote, but yep. we, we'll vote for it, the national big thing. Yeah. And, and, and I kept, and so we're in Georgia. And so immediately after the uh, presidential election, we had our runoff immediately afterwards. And the conversation I had with a lot of locals, they're like, we just voted. What do you mean we have to vote again? And I'm like, no, no, no. The first vote was like the practice vote. This is now the real vote that actually really matters. And I feel like maybe we're having that same narrative. Like the, the last one was really the practice vote. Now in 2024 is a real vote, because as you said, your conversation is about how, I mean, because all they say this in politics, all politics is local. And that's kind of what you're getting at. You're like, hey, like, yes, there is this national conversation about who will be the president of the United States of America. But there's all these down ballot issues, all these down ballot candidates that are also incredibly important in the political system or in our, you know, mindset as far as voters go. Um, my question out of all of that rambling is, is. How do you think that me, you know, as, as, as this person can engage voters in a local sense? How can I make them realize that the local is really what's important and where that impact is and the national is just a part of the whole recipe that is voting? So I really love that perspective that you shared of like you as a Georgia voter and voters in your community are so much more prepared for 2024 on a national scale than everyone else, because you all do have a system where in recent years, frequently it's led to a runoff election and you vote in November and then again in January. And most voters in this country don't really have that experience. And so I really, really love that framing that you have. And, and I kind of think I'm probably going to steal that when I'm talking to people in other States and be like, Hey, you know, 
some states you got to vote two times in a row. And, and even, you know, I live near Chicago and we have uh, the mayoral election was probably it was in February of 2023. So it was just a couple months after November. And it was kind of the same sentiment of, oh, we're voting again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of a local level, the most important narrative is the fact that we've seen in local in recent years that state governments have more power than ever. And I think the most pressing example of that and the most prevalent example of that that's at the top of voters' minds is the Supreme Court's rollback of Roe v. Wade, because that directly put power in the hands of state elected officials, whether it's your state Senate and House, your governor, your state Supreme Court, they all suddenly got this wild responsibility of power in their hands that for decades previously was not something that they were ruling on or passing legislation about. And so having that understanding that that state senator that you're voting for that represents only, you know, 50,000, 100,000 people is going to decide whether or not issues that are wildly important to most voters are going to be addressed and ultimately addressed in in a way that's signed into to law and i think that beyond abortion and the conversation around that there's going to be a myriad of other issues that we're going to see that with i think education is going to be another one we've seen that the supreme court is willing to talk about in here cases on education and just with the way that the current Supreme Court often rules, they usually are putting more power in states' hands. And so I don't think this idea of states having an increased amount of power and influence over laws is going to go away. I think, in fact, it's going to be the opposite and become more prevalent in the coming election cycles. And so that's something that I think is a really useful way to convince people that local matters. I also think that one other narrative that's kind of different than that one of increased policy agendas and opportunities is simply the fact that local politicians are much more accessible than national ones. Odds are you are never going to meet your United States Senator. And if you do, it's going to be in a a very passing way Mm -hmm. like some photo op that they're at or some organization they support that you're a part of. If you you got a baby or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But when it comes to state elected officials and when it comes to your city council, those are people whose offices are just a handful of people and who will actually answer your calls. And if you wanted to meet with them or vocalize your concerns, they will hear them. Hopefully if democracy is working as it should, in a loud and clear way. Mm. And I think that that is also a really wonderful, unique and overlooked opportunity for us as voters and as members of our community to tap into that because we have to remind ourselves that our elected officials work for us. Mm -hmm. And in the local sense, us really oftentimes means just a vocal few, like the few that are, are willing enough to step out and say, oh, I'm going to reach out to my city council member and say, hey, why do I drive over 50 potholes on my way to work? And what are you going to do about it? Or, hey, 
my water is being turned off and I don't know why. And like, like all these local issues that are hyper specific to where people live can be addressed by elected officials. And, and as long as we remember that and empower people to lean into that, I think that there will be more of engagement more engagement in a local level and more of a willingness to realize 2024 is about so much more than just the president. The state's rights thing, you, you, you cited, you know, why? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. There is this huge shift in politics going from this. And, and even in a sense, like it's not even that it went from being nationally driven to now it's locally driven, but now we can really see how important those local politics have become. I mean, um, I know headcount is very much um, in the battle of making sure that voters have the information they need to know how to vote. And states are varied, very, very different depending on where you live. And absolutely now, you know, with states, with states rights becoming more of an issue, it's kind of the exact same problem that y'all are tackling where there is all this varied information, you know, like here in Georgia, for example, like most of the legislation happens in the beginning part of the year for like a few months. And that's about it. You know, whereas yep. our understanding of, I don't know, politics, the system of governance is really coming from a national perspective that, you know, we go, Oh, there's this four year cycle. Oh, there's this big thing that we do. And then we kind of chill out. But really what I feel like you're saying is that like there is this active government in our local community that is actively working. They're accessible. You know, they're here for us. And it's not this big system far, far away that we only interact with every once in a while. It's here. It's local. And in a sense, it is more complicated um, because each state is varied in the ways that it runs things. And I guess we have to take that upon ourselves as, you know, engaged you know, citizens but I think also, as you say, there's a real, there's re something really interesting about being able to go to someone and tell them your feelings. And in a representative democracy as America would be, that's kind of how it should work, right? Absolutely. And so we, we need to almost retrain ourselves maybe, or get into the habit of like reaching out to our local, or not local authorities, but our local <laughs> politicians. Uh, sure, our local authorities, if it's that kind of an issue. But our yeah. local politicians and let them know, and they should kick it up the chain, right? So then kind of like when the national, you know, groundswell shows up and there's this grassroots movement for something, there's also the political side has been also taken care of, maybe. I don't know. It's such, such a very delicate balance, don't you think? It is. And, and I think another layer to this already wonky kind of maze that we're navigating is the fact that a lot of voters believe that lawmakers are wildly inefficient because on the national level right now, they are. I mean, there was a statistic that I forget the exact number, but I think it was like two dozen bills were passed into law this year by that by Congress yeah. on the national level. And on an average year, it's like 150. And you see a stat like that and you're like, oh my gosh, these, you just believe every negative stereotype ever about politicians, right? Right. And that's not true on the state level. Again, it's like, if you look at the laws that your state governments are passing and the breadth and size of some of these laws, it's night and day to what the United States Congress is doing. And, and so... I think retraining ourselves about 
looking at politics from the ground up as opposed from the from top down is one part of the puzzle but then also understanding that there are two completely different beasts between local government and the national government mm -hmm. and and i think if we're able to at least move the needle on both of those perspectives a lot of positive and change is going to come out of that so we've been talking i guess kind of like what's happening outside in the political environment i'd like to kind of reorient back and kind of look at what's happening uh specifically with headcount your audience um you know you're on the ground you're talking with people and you're asking them like hey man are you registered to vote and they're like no or they say yes and then you're like do you plan to vote and they say no they say yes um what are you hearing on the ground how are voters or even people who are not registered to vote how are they engaging with their community how are they ensuring that you know if they're not voting they're doing this or if they are voting they're also doing this yeah i think so one thing that we like to talk about a lot is this idea of a civic engagement ladder and basically the theory there is you are not going to wake up one day as someone who's never voted, never followed politics and just get this like wild urge to run for office or to lead a march that day, right? It takes time to kind of get to that point. And of course there are moments where organizers and community activists present themselves in a way where they didn't even know that they were passionate about this issue and it just comes up. And that's kind of a specific instance, but I would say the vast majority of people in this country follow this civic engagement ladder. And one of the first steps of that ladder is registering to vote because, you know, where headcount is operating, which is concerts, music festivals, community events, people are not always anticipating being asked, hey, are you registered to vote? That might not be something that they anticipated being asked when they left the house to go see Harry Styles, you know? <laughs> um, but when we ask them that question, that is the very start of their journey, potentially, on that civic engagement ladder. Because even if someone says, oh, no, that's not for me, and we aren't able to get a follow-up question in, maybe their friend starts a conversation hmm. and they have an interesting two minute interaction on their way to their seats. Or even if someone doesn't engage with one of our team members directly, they see our table and they ask their, their friend, they're like, hey, are you registered to vote? And it starts a dialogue. And from there, people are actually registering to vote. And when you register to vote, you're giving yourself the opportunity to have your voice heard. And I think that's why registering is probably the most important first step that someone can take on this civic engagement ladder and journey, because you can register to vote, wake up on election day and say, you know what? I'm not inspired by the candidates. Mm. I don't feel like these people are going to represent me. I'm sitting this one out. And that is a totally okay thing for someone to come to the conclusion to, mm -hmm. but you cannot in a number of states wake up on election day and say, I'm not registered, but I want to go and vote. Right. You know, Georgia is one of those states. There are many states across this country that require you to be registered before election day. And a brief aside, there are some states that do allow that. And that's a really amazing way to ensure that everyone who wants to be a part of the political process can be. So, you know, 
having states have that same day voter registration where you can show up at the polls, say, I'm not registered, but I would like to be. And then you get registered and receive a ballot is like a really incredible way to take away one of the big barriers to engaging with politics and to becoming a voter. But anyways, that's an aside. But, you know, once someone becomes a voter, it's a habit. It's a lifelong habit, even if you begrudgingly do it or it's a year like 2024 and you're kind of frustrated by the whole thing. Studies show that voting is a habit. And so from there, I think that opens up the door to realize all these other ways that you can engage with your community, whether it's becoming an organizer and becoming involved in advocacy for a specific issue that you really care about whether it's becoming that person who is writing your elected officials every single week, talking to them about the same issue or different issues or whatever you are caring about that particular day. Um, I think it opens up a lot of different avenues that you can get to without voting, but voting makes it a little bit easier to realize that that's something that you might be passionate about. Because even someone who realizes that they feel disenfranchised from the electoral system and they don't ultimately want to cast their vote, they can realize that through voting and see that, you know, they want to have their voice heard in their community in other ways and that they want to organize in other ways outside of the ballot box. And so I would just say that voting is like that, that opportunity that opens up so many other doors that it's kind of like a choose your own adventure after that point. I love I love that uh, personally. I'm a big D and D person, but um, I, I like the idea that you said like voting is like building a habit, and then you talked about how voting is is kind of like in tandem with all these other civic engagement you know opportunities that we have. Like it's not that I just Absolutely. only vote and I only volunteer. I I can do both, and I love the civic engagement ladder. I've never heard that before, and so. Like, I like the idea, basically, you're saying, like, it's about being prepared to be civically engaged because not everywhere allows us to just jump right in. And so you're saying, if anything, you just should be registered. Should you choose to vote or not, that's up to you on the day. But you at least have the opportunity, the right to vote if you're pre-registered or you register earlier on time. Exactly. That, and, and, and that hits the nail on the head of, of, you know, what we want people to do, because I think it's naive to think that every single person in this country feels represented by their elected officials and feels enfranchised in a way that allows them to come to the conclusion that they are going to be represented properly by these people that they're electing. I think that there are any number of reasons why someone would not feel that way. But I also think it's important to ensure that we have the ability to tap in if we want to. And it's really a shame that there are those barriers that prevent us from being able to tap in, one of them being strict voter registration laws. And, and, and so by being prepared, by saying, you know what, I'm going to give myself the option, I'm going to register to vote just in case, or in case I change my mind, or even if I'm not sure yet. All of those are incredibly valid perspectives to have as a voter and particularly a young voter because young voters so much more than 
other demographics of voters do not feel represented because their elected officials do not look like them. They are not the same age as them. And it's hard to feel connected to them. And, and, and so I totally understand why young voters feel disenfranchised, but it's silly to take ourselves out of the game. Instead, we should sit on the sideline and then make that decision based on the info that we have, you know? Yeah. One thing uh, that I thought was really interesting is this idea of building the habit. All right. And that does it for the conversation with Tom Bergen from Headcount. I kind of thought of that as uh, my first attempt at trying to get around what the new season of the count off is going to be. Um, you know, we'll see in future conversations how that goes. Let me know uh, how I did as an interview. I don't know. Well, maybe don't let me know. I don't know if it's going to be mean. But uh, let me know what you thought about the interview. Let me know where I should go, who I should be talking to, what I should be thinking about, what I should be reading. Um, I want to be civically engaged. And by doing that, it requires, you know, level of buy-in. So by all means, if I missed something or if you want me to elaborate more, you got to let me know. Again, I've been your host, Show here on The Count Off, Season 4, Episode 1. Really cool to say that. It honestly is. Um, I want to thank again The Normas, and thanks to Nick Bentley for letting me play their music on the show, their songs Loose Lips and Rabbit Hole, respectively. Now you can find me, show on social media, at show podcasts sometimes. I really hang out on Instagram. I'm starting to do TikTok. And you can also uh, find my company uh, that I made with my friends. I didn't make it. We made it. And we are so happy about it. We're so proud of it. Uh, at MetamodernProd, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Austin would love that. Um, please, if you get a chance, if you like this show, we have a lot of other video products as well. MetaModern Roundtable, our casual talk show. Food Fight, the best show ever. All about eating fast food and getting down to the nitty gritty through food math. And then also we've got Cougar Feud, our little take on a well-known show. Um, shameless plug zone. So well done, don't you think? Again, thank you so much for listening. Some final thoughts on the way out. This has nothing to do with the episode or the show, but have you noticed how insurance commercials are all really funny? I don't get that. I don't know why insurance commercials have to be so funny. Geico's funny. Liberty Mutual is funny. I get that insurance is not fun or funny, but it's one of the only kinds of products like that that gets away with that kind of humor level. Hmm. I don't know. Y'all tell me. <laughs> Let me. Y'all got to tell me a lot. Y'all got to tell me how I did as an interview. You got to tell me what to read. You got to tell me <laughs> what you think of commercials. But hey. I'm Show. This is the count off. And I just always want to say, with much, much love from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being with me on this episode of the count off, season four, episode one. I'll be back with another episode very soon. Take care of yourself, take care of others.